Hello everyone, this is Rabbi Michael Hatton and welcome back to the Tanakh Study Center. Today we will read chapter 26 verse 5 through chapter 26 verse 51 in Parshat Pinchas, the census of the tribes of Israel. Each tribe will be separately enumerated and the grand total will be presented at the end. This census, of course, parallels the census that opens Sefer Bimidbar. And for this reason, as I pointed out, Sefer Bimidbar is known in rabbinic literature as Chumash HaPikudim, the Chumash of the censuses or of the numbers. We will discover that in the census in Parshat Pinchas, there are subtle differences between it and the original census at the beginning of the book, differences that pertain to the order of the tribes, differences that pertain to the population of the tribes, and differences that pertain to the tribal elders and whether they are mentioned at all. We will read through the text, which is formulaic, repetitive, and almost bureaucratic as if it were drawn from a population registry. But embedded in the data, we will discover, is critical information about the people of Israel and their relationship to God. We begin chapter 26, verse number 5, and I will read the section pertaining to each tribe in its entirety in Hebrew, and then return to translate it into English. Reuven bechor Yisrael b'nei Reuven chanoch mishpachat hachanochi lefalu mishpachat hapalui lechetzron mishpachat hachetzroni lecharmi mishpachat hakarmi ele mishpachot hareuveni vayihiyufu kudehem shlosha ve'arbaim elef u'shva meot u'shloshim Reuven, the firstborn of Israel, the sons of Reuven were Chanoch, the clan of the Chanochi, and Palu, the clan of the Palui, Chetzron, the clan of the Chetzroni, Karmi, the clan of the Karmi. These are the clans or families of Reuven, and their numbers were 43,730. We continue with Pasuk Chet, Uvnei Falu Eliav. Uvnei Eliav Nimuel Vedatan Vaaviram, Hudatan Vaaviram Kiriei Haeda, Asher Hitsu Al Moshe Vialaharon Baadat Korach, Bahatsotam Al Adunai. The sons of Falu were Eliav, and the sons of Eliav were Nimuel, Datan, and Aviram. They are the same Datan and Aviram, those that were called as part of the congregation, those that caused confrontation with Moshe and Aharon in the matter of the assembly of Korach when they quarreled with God. Pasuk Yud verse 10, Vatiftach ha'aretz et piha, vativla utam ve'et Korach b'mot ha'eda, ba'achol ha'esh, Et Hamishim Umatayim Ish Vayihiyu Lenes. 
the earth opened up its mouth, and it swallowed them, and Korach, at the death of the congregation. When the fire consumed the 250 men, such that they were a ness, they were a public display. Uvne Korach lo metu. As for the children of Korach, they did not die. So this section, which enumerates the population of the tribe of Reuven, begins with a description of Reuven as the firstborn of Israel, goes on to mention the main children of Reuven that created important clans or families within the tribe, and then it provides us with the sum total of the members of the tribe of Reuven, 43,730. The section then goes on to describe other members of the tribe of Reuven, more infamous ones, especially Datan and Aviram. They were, of course, instrumental in Korach's rebellion, which we read earlier. And here the Torah again reminds us of their fate. The earth swallowed them and the fire burned them along with the 250. But remarkably, the paragraph concludes that the children of Korach did not die. This second half of the tribe of Reuven's population numbers will be a departure from the other tribes, where we will not get any narrative content as we do here. And we will return to this fact a little bit later. Verse number 12. The sons of Shimon, according to their families or their clans, Nimuel, the family of Nimuel, Yamin, the family of Yamin, Yachin, the family or the clan of Yachin, Zerach, the family of Zerach, and Shaul, the family of the Shauli. These are the clans or the families of the tribe of Shimon, 22,200. This effectively will be the formula that is followed for the rest of the tribes. It begins with a mention of the tribe, B'nai, the children of tribe XYZ according to their families or clans, enumerating the important clans or families within the tribe, and concluding with a summary statement, these are the clans or the families of tribe X, Y, and Z, and the number which is then spelled out. Verse 15. The children of God, according to their tribes, according to their, rather according to their families, Tsefon, the family of the Tsefoni, Chagi, the family of the Chagi, Shuni, the family of the Shuni, Ozni, the family of Ozni, Eri, the family of Eri, Arod, Mishpachat, Ha'arodi, the family of Arodi, and Areli, the family of the Areli. These are the clans or the families of 
the sons of God according to their number, 40,500. Verse 19. The sons of Yehuda were Er and Onan, but Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Yehuda, according to their families, were Shela, the family of the Shelani, Peretz, the family of the Partsi, Zerach, the family of the Zarchi. The sons of Peretz were Chetzron, the family of the Chetzroni, and Chamul, the family of the Chamuli. These are the families or the clans of Yehuda according to their number, 76,500. So we note that in terms of the tribe of Yehuda, we get a very brief biographical note at the beginning of the enumeration, even though the sons of Yehuda included Er and Onan, these did not beget families or clans because they died in the land of Canaan well before the enslavement in Egypt. We also note that the tribe of Yehuda, here enumerated as 76,500, is the most numerous of any of the tribes in the list. Verse 23. The sons of Yisachar, according to their families, Tola, the family of the Tola'i, Puva, the family of the Puni, Yashuv, the family of the Yashuvi, Shimron, the family of the Shimroni, these are the families of Yisachar, according to their number, 64,000, and 300. The sons of Zivulun, according to their clans or families, Sered, the family of the Sardi, Elon, the family of the Eloni, and Yachleel, the family of the Yachleeli. These are the families or the clans of the Zivuloni, according to their number, 60,500. Verse 28. The sons of Yosef, according to their families, were Menashe and Ephraim. Bnei Menashe, lemachir mishpachat hamachiri, umachir holidet gilad, legilad mishpachat hagiladi. Ele bnei gilad, iezer mishpachat haiezri, lechelek mishpachat hachelki, veasriel mishpachat haasrieli, veshechem mishpachat hashichmi. The sons of Menashe, Machir, the family of the Machiri, and Machir begat Gilad, Gilad, and the family of the Giladi. These are the sons of Gilad, Iezer, the family of Diezri, and Chelek, the family of the Chalki, Asriel, the family of Asrieli, and Shechem, the family of Shichmi, Shmida, the family of the Shmidai, and Chefer, the family of the Chefri. As for Tzolofchad, the son of Chefer, 
he did not have sons, but rather daughters, and the names of the daughters of Tzulofchad were Machla and Noah, Chogla, Milka, and Tirzah. These are the families or the clans of Menashe, and their number, 52,700. So here we have a brief nod to the daughters of Tzilofchad, whom we will deal with more carefully later on in the Parsha. We also note that in this particular case, not only are the sons of Menashe enumerated, but occasionally his grandsons as well, particularly Machir and Gilad, or rather Gilad, that produces clans or families of his own, the main ones really in the tribe. Verse number 35. These are the sons of Ephraim according to their families. Shutelach, the family of the Shutalchi, Becher, the family of the Bachri, Tachan, Mishpachat of the Tachani. These are the children of Shutalach, Eran, the family of the Erani. These are the families or clans of Ephraim according to their number, 32,500, and these are the sons of Yosef according to their clans. So effectively, the sons of Yosef are grouped together here, Menashe and Ephraim, and this is a unit which is often grouped together in Sefer Bimidbar and elsewhere. Verse 38. The sons of Binyamin, according to their families, Bela, the family of the Bali, Ashbel, the family of the Ashbeli, Achiram, the family of the Achirami, Shifufam, the family of the Shufami, and Chufam, the family of the Chufami. The sons of Bela were Ard and Naaman. These produced the family of the Ardi, and Naaman produced the family of the Naami. These are the children or the sons of Binyamin, according to their clans or families, and their number, 54,600. These are the sons of Dan, according to their clans. Shucham, the family of the Shuchami. These are the clans or the families of Dan, according to their families. All of the families of the Shuchami, according to their number, 64,400. Verse 44. These are the sons of Asher according to their clans or families, Yimna, the family of the Yimna, Yishva, the fam Yishvi, rather, the family of the Yishvi, and Biri'ah, the family of the Biri'i. The sons of Biri'ah were Hever, who produced the family of the Hevri, and Malkiel, who produced the family of the Malkieli. 
the name of the daughter of Asher was Serach. These are the families of Asher according to their number, 53,400. We note, of course, the very unusual feature in this particular enumeration, which is the mention of the name of the daughter of Asher, who was Serach. Verse 48. The sons of Naphtali, according to their families, were Yachtseel of the family of the Yachtseeli and Guni of the family of the Guni. Yetzer, the family of the Yitzri, and Shilem, the family of the Shilemi. These are the families or the clans of Naphtali according to their families, and their number were 45,400. These were the countings or the enumeration of the children of Israel, 601,730. And with that, our section concludes. In order to fully appreciate the significance of the data, we must carefully tabulate it and then compare and contrast it with the data presented at the beginning of the book in the first census, as well as with a number of other cases in Sefer Bimidbar where the tribes or tribal elders are enumerated according to a particular order, which sometimes, often, almost always, differs from the order in our Parsha in Parshat Pinchas. If nothing else, of course, we note the centrality of the family or the clan in the enumeration of the tribe. It is the basic unit. The extended family or the clan, the tribe is composed of those families or clans, describes a social structure which is not that familiar to us today, at least not among the Jewish people, but is very much still part of the Middle Eastern landscape. If one considers some of the surrounding countries in the Middle East, many of them actually descending into war and into destruction, they are divided essentially along tribal lines, clan lines, and family lines. These are the strongest loyalties, not the loyalty to the artificial nation state that was used to keep them in check. So as Syria and Iraq disintegrate, the tribal alliances, which are the fundamental building blocks of those societies, emerge with all of their force. If nothing else, this should impress upon us the great challenge involved in forging a disparate group of people, disparate tribes, into Am Yisrael, the people of Israel. This, of course, is a process that takes hundreds of years and is never fully completed, even as the temple is destroyed many hundreds of years after the events of our Parsha. We begin by considering the order of the tribes in the census as it is presented in Parshat Pinchas. And we notice the following. The first tribe mentioned is Reuven, naturally, the firstborn, 
This is followed by Shimon and then Gad. Yehuda Yisachar and Zivulun are next. Menashe Ephraim and Binyamin. Dan Asher and Naphtali. This order is almost exactly the same as the one presented at the beginning of the book in Parshat B'Midbar. There it is once again Reuven, Shimon and Gad, Yehuda, Yisachar and Zivulun. But now rather than Menashe, Ephraim and Binyamin as it is in our Parsha, in Parshat B'Midbar the order is Ephraim, Menashe and Binyamin. And finally Dan, Asher and Naphtali. So compared to the census at the beginning of the book, there are only really two tribes that are out of order, Menashe and Ephraim, whereas in the original formulation it was Ephraim and Menashe. Essentially, this tribal order is a reflection of the organization of the camp around the Mishkan. The camp was organized into quadrants. Each quadrant contained three tribes, and although Sefer B'midbar began the story with a census that really preceded the arrangement of the camp into quadrants, it already reflects that order. Which is to say, the first three tribes, Reuven, Shimon, and Gad, are arrayed on the southern side of the Mishkan. Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zivulun to the east. Menashe, Ephraim, and Binyamin to the west. Dan, Asher, and Naphtali to the north. The order in our Parsha, therefore, is a reflection of the order that has prevailed throughout the wanderings in Sefer Bimidbar. As the people made their way, as they encamped, they would array themselves around the Mishkan according to their tribal standards. These tribal standards were spelled out in Sefer Bimidbar chapter 2 and effectively served as the organizing principle for the tribes throughout the book. And now as we reach the end of Sefer Bimidbar or towards the end, and we carry out the census which will now bring the people into the land of Israel, we still employ this organizing principle of the tribes arrayed according to their quadrants. Of course, the, the only difference, as I pointed out, is that in our version, Menashe is mentioned before Ephraim, and in the original version, it is first Ephraim and then Menashe. We might suggest the reason why Menashe precedes Ephraim this time around is twofold. Number one, we discover that in the census in our Parsha, Menashe has increased by approximately 20,000 members over what was reported in Parshat B'Midbar. In Parshat B'Midbar, Menashe had 32,200, and in our Parsha, 52,700. Ephraim, on the other hand, moved in the opposite direction. In Parshat B'Midbar, Ephraim had 40,500, and in our Parsha, Ephraim now has a smaller number, 32,500. So effectively, the reason why Menashe is mentioned first in the Yosef grouping of the tribes may be because Menashe has increased such that its power and its influence as part of that grouping has now become much larger than that of Ephraim. Of course, another reason why Menashe should be mentioned first, which is anticipatory, is because very soon the tribes will begin the process of settling the land of Sichon and Og on the eastern side of the Arden, 
And as we will discover, Reuven, Shimon, and half of God will be instrumental in that process. Sorry, Reuven and God and half of Menashe will be instrumental in that process. And because Menashe effectively will acquire a tribal territory much larger than most of the other tribes, if perhaps all of them, some on the eastern side of the Arden and some on the western side of the Arden, another reflection of Menashe's increasing prominence. And that might be another reason why Menashe is mentioned first in this census, whereas in the opening census of the book, Menashe was mentioned after Ephraim. We note, of course, that in both of these censuses, whether the one in Parshat Pinchas or the one in Parshat Bamidbar, the tribes are ordered not according to their birth order necessarily, nor according to their matriarchal origin, but again, according to their quadrant and their tribal standard. In our section, of course, there is no mention whatsoever of tribal elders or chieftains that assist Moshe and Elazar in carrying out the census. This is in glaring contrast to the census in Parshat Bemidbar, where 12 tribal elders were enumerated. The commentaries do not offer many theories for the absence of the tribal elders. Perhaps we have a lingering after effect of the sin of the spies, where tribal chieftains or elders played such prominent role in an episode that effectively led to very, very destructive and negative consequences for the people of Israel, such that they were denied entry to the land for 40 years. And perhaps now that we are preparing once again to enter the land and conducting a census that will effectively tell us how many people there are such that we can enter most effectively, the tribal elders are here left out in order to remind us that the leaders of the people will ultimately carry the day and the decisions that they make will have very far-reaching consequences for their constituents. So those tribal elders that initiated the book, although they were not the spies, speak of the idea of the power of leadership and sometimes the very negative effects that poor leaders can have. And we leave those tribal elders out in this enumeration in order to hammer that point home. When we look at the data, we discover that certain tribes decreased in number, some of them spectacularly compared to the earlier census in Parshat Bamidbar, and many tribes increased in number. Without going into all of the details, I just will point out the following features. Reuven, Shimon, and Gad. The opening grouping of the census, all three of the tribes in that grouping decreased in number compared to what was reported in Parshat Bamidbar. Reuven went down by about 3,000, Gad went down by about 5,000, and Shimon went down spectacularly by about 37,000. So the number in our Parsha for Shimon, 22,200, 
represents a tremendous drop from Parshat Bemidbar, where Shimon numbered 59,300. Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zivulun all show an increase. Menashe, Ephraim, and Binyamin all show an increase. Dan and Asher all show an increase. And Naphtali shows a decline. In Parshat Bemidbar, Naphtali numbered 53,400, and in our census, 45,400. The overall effect of these decreases is that the population that emerges as the sum total is roughly the same for both of these censuses, in spite of the fact that 40 years have elapsed in between, or almost 40 years which is another way of saying that the people of Israel during this period experienced almost zero population growth. In Parshat Bamidbar, the final tally was 603,550, and in our counting, 601,730, a drop in total of about 2,000. Most, uh, most of that effect, of course, as I pointed out, even though Nine out of the 12 tribes actually increased in number, but Shimon decreased greatly in number, losing 37,000 members, roughly, and Reuven and Gad in turn. The Torah itself is silent as to why the tribe of Shimon decreased so spectacularly. But Rashi, based on Chazal, clues us in and said it very much had to do with the events at the end of Parshat Balak, which is to say, the people of Israel succumbing to the wiles of Baal Peor, and the plague that breaks out against the people of Israel. And according to the text there, the last verse of Parshat Balak reports that 24,000 Israelites died as a result of Baal Peor. Now, that doesn't account for all of Shimon's losses, but it does account for much of them. And considering the fact that Zimri ben Salu, who was one of the Shimonite chieftains, was a ringleader in the events of Baal Peor, Rashi speculates based on Chazal, that effectively explains how Shimon decreased in number so much because they lost so much in the events concerning Baal Peor. And perhaps if we take this tack, it could also explain the decrease reported concerning Reuven and for that matter, God as well, right? Remember that Reuven went down by about 3,000 and at the same time, when Reuven was introduced at the beginning of the census, we had this curious narrative describing how Nimuel, Datan, and Aviram were the sons of Eliav, and Datan and Aviram, the text reported in verse number 9, were the ones who led the quarrel against Moshe and Aharon in the congregation of Korach, and they were punished with destruction. So that small biographical note might actually be significant because it may be suggesting, if you're wondering why the tribe of Reuven also decreased, it's because Datan and Aviram gathered members of the tribe of Reuven in the rebellion of Korach, and that explains where those people went and how the numbers of Reuven were ultimately diminished. Basically, what I'm arguing is 
The, de the decreases associated with the tribes of Reuven and Shimon may in fact be attributed to the two episodes associated with those two tribes. One, the rebellion of Korach associated with the tribe of Reuven, and two, the events of Pa'al Pa'or associated with Zimri ben Salu from the tribe of Shimon. Because Reuven and Gad took prominent roles in both of those episodes, they lost numbers, significant numbers, as a result. We can perhaps throw Gad into the mix that also experienced a decrease of approximately 5,000, although Gad's participation in either of these events is not recorded in the Torah, but perhaps being associated with that tribal standard is what gets them in trouble. Bear in mind, of course, that Korach and the family of Korach is associated with the southern side of the Mishkan, which puts Korach in proximity with the tribal standard of Reuven, Shimon, and Gad. And of course, Shimon's involvement in Baal Peor may also have drawn in some of the Gadites. I'm speculating here, but perhaps really the decrease of these three tribes is actually a direct function of the fact that they happen to be encamped next to each other. In any case, as I pointed out, because these three, three tribes decrease, and especially Shimon, that decreases greatly, even as we have increase for most of the other tribes, except for, except for Naphtali, the number that we emerge with at the very end of the census is more or less the same number that was reported in, safe in, in Parshat B'midbar. Of course, the Torah itself in our Parsha offers no explanation as to why a census is needed at this time. We will return to the words of the Ramban at the beginning of the book. The Ramban asks a similar question about the first census in Parshat B'midbar. And while he doesn't address our particular Parsha, the answer that he provides in Parshat B'midbar is equally relevant for our story as well. The Ramban offers four separate reasons why taking a census was necessary as the book opened. Number one, says the Ramban, God wanted to impress upon the people of Israel the great blessing and favor that he had bestowed upon them. They had gone down to Egypt few in number, a clan of 70 members, and now they numbered like the stars of the heavens, with over 600,000. So number one, to impress upon the people of Israel the need for them to feel gratitude for their great fortune. Number two, the Ramban says, simply being counted by Moshe and Aharon personally in Parshat B'midbar, perhaps we could make a similar argument, simply being counted by Moshe and Elazar the priest in Parshat Pinchas, personally counted, is an opportunity to have an interaction with these great leaders, spiritual leaders, and that itself is a source of great blessing. As he puts it, the Ramban, it brings to the recipient zichut v'chayim, merit and life. The next two reasons are the most obvious. The Ramban says, the need to count the people is acute because they are about to enter the land and to embark on the wars of conquest. And, says the Ramban, when one embarks on a war of conquest, 
one has to know the size of one's force. Why? Ki ha-Torah lo tismoch al hanes sheyirdof echad elef. The Torah does not ask us to rely on miracles as if one could chase down a thousand. If you are planning to engage in warfare, then you need an army. And if you are planning to raise an army, then it needs to be organized and you need to know the size of your force. The people of Israel are poised to enter the land. They will have to fight for it. Therefore, knowing their number is critical. Of course, we could argue the book began with a census of the people of Israel in preparation for the wars of conquest. That was derailed by the sin of the spies. But now as they prepare to enter the land in Parshat Pinchas and the second census is initiated, it has exactly the same reason as what the Ramban argued earlier. Finally, says the Ramban, we need to know the number of the tribe and especially the number of the families and the clans because the land will be distributed according to the population of the families or the clans. And so we need to know that number so that we can determine how much land each clan or family will receive. And that's the reason why now the clans and the families are spelled out so explicitly in a way that perhaps was not spelled out in the original census. In the original census, we talked about the tribes. We did not talk about the clans or the families as we do now, because since the clan and the family are the fundamental unit that will determine land allocation. Therefore, it's critical for us to know that in order to prepare for that eventuality. For the Ramban, therefore, the comments that he made at the beginning of the book, the opening census are just as relevant for this census. In broader terms, we might say, the theme of this particular parsha is the theme of succession, the generation of the wilderness now succeeded by the generation that will enter the land Perhaps this also explains on some level why the final tally is so similar as if to suggest to us, yes, this is the generation that now succeeds the generation that perished. The generation that left the land of Egypt was about 600,000. That's what was reported in Sefer Shemot. That, as it were, is the magic number the number that we associate with the people of Israel leaving the land of Egypt. So now that they are finally poised to enter the land, after the debacle, debacle of the spies has been exhausted, we return to that number, so to speak, that magic number, in order to remind us that this is now the process of the Exodus being completed as the people will enter the land of Israel.